recorded live on March 11th at the Old Chicago Inn's Room 13 Speakeasy in Lakeview as part of Chicago for Chicagoans Chicago History 101 Speakeasy Series. I am recording this. So if everyone could all at once please yell out your social security numbers, your mother's maiden name. No, that's all I need. Uh, anyway, folks, welcome. Glad to be here. Thanks for coming. Um, because I am recording this for a podcast, the Chicago Corruption Walking Tour podcast, and I think I need to see people pull out their phones and subscribe right now on Apple Play, Apple, blah, 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 all the other places. It's because it's no longer a walking tour, it's a podcast. Uh, but it just debuted on Monday. So once again, I was not, I, I, I was not kidding. Seriously, folks, my phones, phones, pull out. At least give me a little pretend that you're subscribing now. Okay. Uh, that was adorable, but that was not subscribing to my podcast. Or, uh, a couple kids. Anyway, um, so uh, I'm going to narrate some stuff that you guys already know because you bought the damn tickets. But it's for the podcast, folks. Also, if I do start talking about where you can buy cheap mattresses online or the ability to uh, make a website with Squarespace, uh, you know what I'm talking about here. Anyway, I've uh, been asked to talk about part of this uh, lecture series about different nicknames of the city of Chicago. Uh, other, people, other speakers have talked on the origin of historical nicknames like City of the Big Shoulders, The Second City, The Windy City, Harris on the Prairie, The City That Works, this, uh, the Great Commercial Tree, Mr. Please, 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 Soul Brother, oh, I'm sorry, that was James Brown. Um, and I'm here to talk about the phrase, that killed, that, that just killed one of All right, I'm here to talk about the phrase, the Chicago way, its hidden backstory, and how the phrase has spread through popular culture. So folks, the Chicago way is a quote from a Sean Connery movie. Good night! <laughs> okay, so anyway, uh, he's probably guessed because password tonight was untouchable. Different password every night at room 13. Uh, seriously, the, the line Chicago Way dates back to the ancient age of 1987. Uh, there was a line from the movie The Untouchables, 1987, directed by Brian De Palma with screenplay by David Mamet. It's a retelling the story of Elliot Ness and his hand-picked squad of, of Euro Prohibition agents who are de destined to, to track down Al Capone and end his reign of tax evasion terror across the land. That <laughs> last joke's from the Onion, so it's, it's them you're not laughing at right now. In one famous scene, uh, Ness is talking to uh, Irish-American cop Jim Malone played by Sean Connery and using the same Scottish accent he's used to play a British spy, a Russian submarine captain, an immortal Egyptian warrior posing as a Spaniard, an ancient Greek king, the last one's from Time Bandit, so you don't have to pull out IMDb right now, uh, and whatever the hell Zardoz was supposed to be. So Ness and Malone are in a church, and Ness says something about wanting to get Malone, or wanting to get out the poem. And Malone, Sean Connery, uh, tells him, this line. You want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife. You pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital. You send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way, and that's how you get Capone. So this supposed nickname from the city of Chicago is 33 years old. It's a millennial. It's an older millennial, but it has definitely posted a picture of a meal to Instagram. <laughs> Uh, I don't mind new nicknames. They're how these nicknames happen. Everything happened, had to be new once. Uh, the, there was an, 18, an early 1900s dance hall in New Orleans called the Big Easy, 
but it wasn't a nickname for the city until 1970. A uh, crime novel by the name of James, but uh, by, uh, called the, the Big Easy by the name of James, uh, James Conaway wrote that. And the nickname really kicked into gear, also in 1987 with the Dennis Quaid movie of the same name, a uh, movie version of the book. Uh, New York wasn't the city that never sleeps until 1977. That's when uh, John Kenner and, Fr and Fred Ebb wrote the theme from New York, New York, for the Martin Scorsese film, New York, New York. Liza Minnelli sang it. And it just didn't really get famous until uh, Frank Sinatra covered it in 1979. So uh, there's actually a movie from 1953 called City That Never Sleeps, but it's about Chicago. And it is crazy. Uh, Odd Obsessions, it's a great video store in town if it still exists. Uh, has a copy of that. It is one of the weirdest movies you'll ever see. <laughs> City That Never Sleeps, uh, 1953. Uh, um, the spirit of the city of Chicago takes the form of a Chicago police officer for one night. It's <laughs> dumb. <laughs> so my gripe isn't that uh, City... Uh, that that <laughs> Never Sleeps, no. My gripe isn't that the Chicago Way is a new nickname. My gripe is that if we're name, nicknaming our city after uh, Sean Connery quotes taken out of context... There are better Sean Connery quotes taken out of context that could be a nickname for this city. Chicago, shaken, not stirred. <laughs> Chicago, in the end, there can only be one. Chicago, Zardoz speaks to you. <laughs> and my personal favorite. Uh, Chicago, we named a dog Indiana. Works on a couple levels there. Now, The Chicago Way is a great line from a great movie. Uh, Untouchables is fun. Kevin Costner is great. Andy Garcia is very cool. There's that baby stroller going down the stairs at Union Station scene during the middle of a gunfight, uh, which is a great scene and led to the greatest scene in cinematic history, the Naked Gun 33 and a third spoof of that, where there's like 20 baby strollers going down the stairs during a gunfight. Uh, that's good stuff. But uh, over the years, the phrase evolved. It's not just a line from a movie anymore. Currently, The Chicago Way is a series of crime novels, the name of several true crime books, two separate strategy board games about advancing in Chicago politics. <laughs> it's the name of an ER episode where Steve Buscemi plays a crazy drunk screaming guy who turns out to be a mob lawyer in witness protection. And it's all over, and it's all over the internet. <laughs> And it's all over the internet, discussing everything from Obama's policies to uh, w how one of Chicago's last manual elevator operators got the job. He knew somebody that some knew somebody, etc. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a meme out there of you know the little girl who's smiling sort of creepily sitting next to a house fire. Uh, there's a meme version out there that says Santa skips my house, I visit his. That's the Chicago way. So this has definitely spread from a David Mamet script. Uh, so somehow this movie quote about why not to get into a night fight with Sean Connery has become a lazy shorthand with a sort of mishmash of mafia, corruption, and the general idea of bad things associated with Chicago. And I don't know, and well, I do know how, but you guys don't. Um, that's why I'm up here. Thank you. Um, how did it get from this cool quote to this general idea of bad things, corruption, grrr? His name is John Cass, and this is true. According to a 2009 Chicago Tribune article by former Metro editor Mark Jacobs, the Chicago Tribune's page two political columnist John Cass 
popularized the phrase as shorthand for Chicago democratic politics uh, by using the phrase the Chicago way in 120 separate columns between 2000 and 2009. I have no idea how many, uh, col how many times Cass has used the Chicago way since 2009 uh, for three reasons. One, the Tribune website has a terrible search function. <laughs> they went all in on Bing. <laughs> Number two, in 2018, Cass started a podcast called The Chicago Way. It includes that in the bio uh, on the bottom of all his columns. And now it looks like every column talks about The Chicago Way. And three, doing deeper research on this would require reading John Cass columns. Uh, for, those, for those who don't know, uh, John Cass is a is a right-right, right-wing political columnist. Uh, he once called the Ferguson protests, uh, remember uh, unarmed black man was shot to death by uh, police in Missouri. He called the protest after that a lynching of the white cop. Oh. Yeah. They're laying off people right and left, but they're keeping that guy. That's what they're putting their stock. Um, now, Cass's go-to move as a columnist is catty nicknames. Uh, he calls Tony Preckwinkle, Sensible Shoes, which I just don't get. He called Rahm Emanuel the Rahm Father, which uh, Rahm loved it so much, he, uh, John Cass presented him with a spoof movie poster of it for his office. So real trenchant commentary there if you're trying to slam someone, they frame it and put it up on their walls. Uh, uh, he, calls, he calls Representative Luis Gutierrez the heroic ta taxpayer, or little Louie. Uh, he calls U.S. Senator Dick Durbin Senator Bullhead, the Illinois political mud puppy, and I don't get that one either, and that's just not worth Googling. Uh, he calls hopium addicts, uh, Obama supporters, he calls hopium addicts. Uh, he calls cyclists little bike people, and he calls meat puppets, uses the term meat puppets for like everyone. Everyone who criticizes him is a meat puppet. And I don't know what that means either, but it scares me and makes me a little hungry. <laughs> so, when you get a person with a prominent platform and their real only go-to move is catty nicknames, and then you hand that person a cool quote that was written by David Mamet and said to awesome perfection by Sean Connery, I can see how the Chicago way became the term it did. And it sort of only a little sickens me that you can really look at the term as a joint David Mamet, John Cass collaboration. Um, because I like to think of it as like a duel between the two. You know, like they're fighting for the soul of this term. You know, you want to get a slogan? Here's how you get one. He writes a movie, you write a column. He sends a phrase to the theaters, you send one to the Trib's aging right-wing audience. And that's the Chicago way. <laughs> I did not expect that to be the applause line, but I will take this. And he said it's an excuse to, to take this through. Okay, so that's your answer to the question. We got the phrase because David Mamet wrote a really cool movie, and John Cass slings catty nicknames. But this leads to a bigger question. Okay, that's how we got here, but is the phrase right? Is there something to it? I know I don't like the phrase the Chicago way because of how it's used. Uh, David Mamet 
knows how to assemble a sentence, so it's a really cool phrase, but it makes it sound cool to sort of accept it. David Mamet wrote a line about how we have to fight back stronger and harder and faster and sharper and better against crime, against corruption. He wrote a phrase to escalate the nature of our fight against these forces. And a newspaper columnist turned it into a way of saying, yeah, it's like this, it's always been like this, it's always going to be like this. What are you going to do? It's the Chicago way. I mean, John Cass took the, the they'll never take our freedom speech from Braveheart and turned it into forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown in terms of apathetic movie quotes. <laughs> it's not right. It's not cool. But that's how the Chicago way became shorthand for shit's fucked. It's cool that shit's fucked. You're dumb if you think shit can't be fucked. Let's make fun of reformers. And you know what? Let's have opinions about whether or not people put ketchup on their hot dogs. <laughs> if you have opinions about whether or not people put ketchup on their, mm -hmm. their hot dogs, that's the asshole way. <laughs> but is there something to it, right? Is this city locked into a pattern of crime and corruption? For four years, I ran the Chicago Corruption Walking Tour, which uh, took people to a, uh, yeah, uh, took people to the actual places, the scenes of political unrest went down. It wasn't like, hey, let's go where Al Capone shot a guy and then eat some deep dish pizza. It was like, hey, a big bribery case went down here and a lot of voters were disenfranchised after that. So it was a lot of fun, you should go. Um, there's a podcast version now, which I still haven't seen anyone here signing up for. And um, something special. Uh, there have been similar corruption tours in Prague, London, Mexico City, Monterey, Kiev, Mallorca, and across South America. There are corruption museums in Bangkok. There's briefly one also in Kiev. And there's been one in the works forever in Albany. I ain't that clever. And, uh, a new podcast version, I said, did that this week. Uh, that's what I'm recording this for, and hoping my voice memo function on iPhone doesn't suck. Um, but that's my shorthand for saying, yeah, I know a lot of the weird political stories. I know a lot of this stuff. And my shorthand for saying Chicago's not that special. We're crooked. So what? Uh, you don't probably want to hear me standing up here for an hour and a half saying John Cass sucks. Uh, maybe you do. Uh, <laughs> but I'll give you a few of these stories to sort of illustrate the, the greater points we're talking about here. First, I'll talk at some of the weirder cases Chicago has seen. In recent years, we don't have to go that far back for political corruption. Um, but then I'm going to go deeply, more deeply, time permitting, into a uh, look at a particular position in Illinois politics that's gotten a lot of uh, attention over the last few years. So first I'm going to talk about some general wacky stories, and then we're going to go in deep on the governors. So uh, here's a story I like to tell, sort of starting out, just because I think it gives a good sense of things. Uh, in 2002, there was an 80-year-old woman named Dorothy, and she stopped driving. The Illinois Secretary of State kept that information from the people for a decade. Dorothy was Dorothy Ogilvy, widow of former Governor Richard Ogilvy, and since 1970, the owner of license plate number one. You are my license plate, might say QR82753. Her license plate was just the number one. Uh, she joked, when people had asked, she joked, Oh, how'd you get that plate? Yeah, slept with the governor. 
Now, the previous owner of the plate, before her, Secretary Paul Powell, uh, he died while he was in office. Uh, the executor of his will, who was going to get some paperwork from the hotel room where Powell had been living down in Springfield, found $750,000 in small, unmarked bills in various shoeboxes, strong boxes, and briefcases in the hotel room where he'd been living. This is 1970 money, people. This is $750,000 in small, unmarked bills, mostly 10s and 20s, nothing larger than 100 in 1970s money, and the executor found another $50,000 in Paul Powell's Springfield office. Uh, they were all various... Uh, the later investigation revealed there were various small-scale kickbacks and bribes he'd gotten. He was making money hand over fist so fast, he couldn't even find places to put it. He was just shoving them in shoeboxes and shoving the shoeboxes under the bed. Uh, now, before uh, Powell had license plate number one, uh, it had been passed down from a series of Chicago archbishops. Uh, Archbishop to archbishop since uh, the early 1900s when they started uh, registering license plates. And it's a really cool story. And Secretary of State Jesse White knew the political scheming, fighting, and backbiting they would get when people knew license plate number one was back on the market. So that's why he didn't tell anyone for 10 years. <laughs> license plate numbers are a big deal in Illinois. Uh, according to an unnamed political operative in the Chicago Tribune in 1999, having a low-digit license plate means you have big you-know-whats. Uh, Richard Day J. Daly's license plate on his city-owned car, 708222 is the license plate, was the number of votes he received in his first election for mayor. Uh, getting mob boss Tony Big Tuna Accardo a low-digit plate was one of the items in a 555-page list of political favors that helped send Governor George Ryan to prison in the early 2000s. Now, I'm telling you the story now because that's weird. <laughs> it's really weird, and it's a pretty good look at a weirdness, the weirdness that is modern politics in Illinois and Chicago. A writer said Circle said Chicago isn't the most corrupt city, but it's the most theatrically corrupt. <laughs> and there's a lot of theater there. The feds uh, timed the announcement of corruption charges against 20th Ward Alderman Willie Cochran. He raided the charity Ward Fund, the Ward Charity Fund for gambling money. They timed the announcement of charges to be during a city council meeting. <laughs> charges came down as Alderman congratulated the Cubs on their 2016 World Series win. <laughs> uh, the feds recent, more recently timed their raid on the offices of 14th Ward Alderman Ed Burke to be coincided with the uh, his wife's re-swearing in as the Illinois Supreme Court Justice. <laughs> then he would be out of the office. Uh, there have been fantastically odd stories. Uh, uh, to help cover the raided funds, Cochran, uh, and I don't have to punctuate this with bullshit allegedly, so he's confessed, uh, Cochran climbed a building in the middle of the night to beg for a loan from a preacher who had been living on the roof of the building uh, as a protest. Alderman Proca Joe Moreno lent his car to a gr his girlfriend, then reported it as stolen. Congressman Jesse Jackson Jr. used campaign funds to buy Bruce Lee memorabilia, Michael Jackson's hat, and a bunch of capes. <laughs> they were like fur capes for his wife, but try not to get the image out of your head of like him wearing Michael Jackson's hat and cape. Go, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, they had to stagger. 
Jesse Jackson Jr. and his wife, who was a Chicago alderman, they had to stagger their prison sentences so the kids would always have at least one parent not in prison at, at the time. Uh, alderman Danny Solis was accepting bribes of Viagra, happy ending massages, and weekends at a farm Oprah used to own. Kirk, Cook County Clerk Dorothy Brown was allegedly laundering money through a fictional goat meat company that she and her husband claimed they were running out of their house. <laughs> when the feds subpoenaed the company's records, all they got was a handwritten note from Brown's husband saying, and I have committed this entire letter to memory, to whom it may concern, there are no financial records for Goat Masters Corporation. <laughs> Not just in Chicago. Illinois is a messed up state, top to bottom. Uh, Dixon, Illinois, Comptroller, Rita Crundwell, uh, embezzled $54 million, the largest municipal theft in American history, over 20 years. She was a uh, comptroller, so she was in charge of the money, and a lot of the city's finances started going to this secret account she kept hidden within the web of uh, bank accounts from the uh, in the city's finances, and she'd draw checks from there to fund her championship quarter horse breeding operation. <laughs> to recoup the money, the feds auctioned off her possessions including $98,000 of frozen horse semen. <laughs> King County Coroner Chuck West let his, his people who fetched the bodies keep a flat big screen TV they stole from a dead guy's house. And he allegedly, he's one I saw just say allegedly, allegedly retaliated against the employee who ratted him in by peeing on her chair. This is like two years ago, people. This is not some 1800s nonsense. Uh, now, Dixon declared bankruptcy during the period Crundwell was robbing them blind. Cochran was gambling away money meant for senior citizens and children. Uh, the Burger King that Ed Burke was allegedly shaking down happened to be the same location where a 17-year-old boy named Laquan McDonald was shot 16 times by Chicago police, triggering a massive cover-up. Former U.S. House Speaker Denny Haster went to prison for a $3 billion hush money scheme where he was paying off the now-adult children he sexually molested while he was their high school wrestling coach. These stories aren't as cute and folksy when you start to look at the actual cost. Now, I, sh I cherry-picked some weird stories just now, but... The mayor of Baltimore was ripping off the city through a kid's book about healthy eating. The informant in the FIFA soccer scandal collected parrots, including one his ex-wife had stolen and only returned after she had trained it to, to say, Prank, you're a dope. Prank, you're a dope. Over and over again. The Malaysian prime minister was arrested for funneling $4.5 billion of state money into secret accounts. One of those funds backed the movies The Wolf of Wall Street and Dumb and Dumber 2 <laughs> and paid Britney Spears to jump out of a cake at a fund executive's birthday party. Do not tell me running a horse farm in Dixon is weird. <laughs> so corruption is a global issue, and Chicago's problems are far from unique. So why do we not have a movie about the Baltimore way, the Malaysian way, the Dumb and Dumber 2 way? 
What's so special about us? The answer is really not much. Between 1998 and 2018, the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Northern District of Illinois oversaw 734 federal corruption convictions. That puts us fourth in the nation. Tops for corruption convictions were Southern District of Florida, then the New Jersey District, then the Central District of California. If you combine the convictions statewide, then the order is Texas, Florida, California, New York, Pennsylvania, then Illinois. Other than California coming in third instead of first, that's just a population map. The sixth most populous state is the sixth in corruption convictions. Uh, but there's a deeper problem with statistics. When corruption works, it's invisible. Bribe paid, bribe taken, restaurant gets the permit for a new drive-thru. Everyone goes about their day. Every conviction is a time corruption didn't work. Perception indices are problematic. It's basically when you ask people in the know what they think is going on. But it might be the best indicator we have when the trouble with corruption is the prosecutors aren't catching it. Or they're in on it. A Harvard University perception index from 2014 asked state house reporters to weigh in on the respective state's corruption. It was plagued with non-response bias. Illinois came in number two uh, after Kentucky. But only they sent it out to a thousand state house reporters and only 280 responded. No one from legendarily corrupt Louisiana even turned in the survey. So is Chicago the most corrupt city? Well. It's like what you get when you cross an elephant and a rhinoceros. Elephino. <laughs> that's, that's what gets the last people come on. Now, also taking an excuse to take a step. When building a website with Squarespace, no. Um, so, as for Chicago is the most theatrically corrupt, I don't know. There's weirdness the world over. A uh, big goat meat company in Chicago, a scammed kids book in Baltimore, this thundering dumbass of an overstuffed oompa loop in Washington, D.C. <laughs> it's Trump. He sucks. Uh, but Chicago does seem to have a lot of weirdness crammed in a relatively small location. Um, and for example, let's talk governors. Now, Illinois is, uh, and this is the part that's lifted straight from the tour, which is why I put down the script. That's like new stuff, original. Now you guys are just getting the same old shit and passed out to tours for four years. So, <laughs> you're welcome. That's the Chicago way. <laughs> I cut out the section about the governors because it got long. I got a little drunk and might have said some legally actionable things about Rod Blagojevich's cameo count. And you'll end up hearing all this stuff in episodes four and nine of the main podcast. But trust me, it killed. <laughs> now, uh, this was originally about the Chicago way. Um, and I'm doing my wrap-up thing, so I haven't been timing this, so God, I hope you guys got your money's worth. Uh, if not, Patty's right there. Just take it up with her. Um, but what strikes me about all these weird stories is how much and how little Chicago has changed in 1900, workers on the massive canal project that would reverse the Chicago River, uh, spewing out our sewage on the Mississippi, just went ahead 
and open the last dam at dawn to beat a pending injunction from St. Louis by a few hours. In 2003, Mayor Richard M. Daley just went ahead and sent city bulldozers in the middle of the night to carve giant X's into this runway of Miggs Field, similarly making years of re- legal wrangling over what's now Northerly Island moot. In the early 1900s, Alderman John Bathhouse Coughlin would only approve projects in his ward if the owners did business with his private insurance agency he ran on the side. Alderman Ed Burke is currently under federal indictment for using the exact same con to steer, allegedly, please don't sue me, uh, to steer businesses to his law firm the exact same way. In the 1970s, the uh, sting operation the, the Mirage, a fake bar owned by the Chicago Sun-Times and the Better Government Association, got photo evidence of city and state inspectors from the take. Like six years ago, my buddy Crystal lost her job as a line cook at a chicken restaurant because the owner forgot to pay. He got shut down after forgetting to pay off that health inspector. The same stuff's still happening over and over again. So maybe there is a Chicago way. But things have changed. DNA evidence is freeing hundreds of people, mostly black men, who are wrongly convicted or with confessions beaten out of them by Chicago police officers. Uh, we keep sending governors to prison, but we keep sending governors to prison. <laughs> We're not letting them get away with it from bribing jurors like Len Small or running kangaroo court grand juries like Joel Matson. So what is the Chicago way? Well, I've got a couple answers. The Chicago Way is making a movie about about catching someone for tax evasion and casting Sean Connery, (laughs) who is currently a tax exile from Scotland, living in Bermuda to avoid paying taxes. Uh, It's just really funny. Uh, And it's having Sean Connery play an an incorruptible cop who is completely fictional. Jimmy Malone was not a person who ever existed because the actual Irish in, uh, uh, the actual Irish investigator on the Untouchables, Barney Cloonan, was fired from being an Untouchable after he was suspected of accepting bribes. He was touchable. <laughs> the Chicago Way is a hack writer for the Chicago Tribune taking a great line from a great playwright into a dumbass catchphrase. It is someone playing at Chicago, unintentionally parodying someone who's really great at Chicago. The Chicago way is a catchphrase that means fight, fight, fight. Use harsher methods, stronger methods, win. And it's turning that phrase into, uh, shit happens. Hot dogs shouldn't have ketchup. The Chicago way is spending a night at a speakeasy enjoying amazing drinks and listening to stories of politics. Hopefully hearing them as challenges to meet rather than as flat statements that bad things are inevitable and inexorable. I think of the Chicago Way as a question, one we all have to ask ourselves. Not what the Chicago Way is, 
what it has meant, but what we want it to mean, and how we can get there. Thank you. Check out ChicagoForChicagoans.org and OldChicagoIn.com slash Room 13 for more.